Hi, I'm Clarence, and I'm Aditi, and we're chatting with Conway Ying, who's the Chief Product Officer of Yoinki. So, could you <laughs> tell us about yourself? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, hey guys, I'm Conway. I'm actually in my last semester of university at the moment, and I actually did CC Soc last year. A bit about me: I started way back in 2014 when I was doing a commerce and law degree, but you know, I gradually found out that law was not that interesting of a degree. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And not that useful of a degree, so Ooh. I, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a big call. We love to hate on law students, um, myself included. But you know, eventually I decided that um, law was not quite interesting. So um, a friend and I, a high school friend and I, we decided to team up and we sort of worked about three hours a night every day after uni, uh, sort of juggling uni work and sort of working on a app, a scientific calculator app. And you know, to my surprise and to his surprise, that actually got quite a few downloads. It got over one million downloads. One point five. Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah one point uh, five. Yeah, too humble. Um, but yeah, that was a really good experience for us because we had never done anything like that before. He'd never made an app. I'd never sort of designed or marketed an app. That was back when I was a law student. And then after that experience, I decided to um, drop out of law because tech seemed much more interesting. What happened then was I did a marketing internship at Google,、um, which was very fun. I absolutely loved my team. I loved the culture there, but I felt that、um, it was not for me. So I decided to switch into computer science, and that was three years ago. So now that I'm coming to the end of my computer science degree, I've essentially managed to do a couple more internships and also start this project on the side, Yonki. But there's a lot of context around Yonki that I'd love to go into later. So yeah, I won't go into too much detail. Sure. So you said that you started off with com and law. Yeah. And you said that your work on the natural scientific calculator,、mm-hmm. I believe, was what pushed you to computer science instead. Yeah. Was, would that be correct? Yeah. Exactly. So, was it just that you didn't really have that much of an interest in law itself that made you want to be pushed into CS? Yeah. So、uh, the main reason why I did law, which I I'm happy to admit now, is because. <laughs> Um, I got the marks, and my parents were sort of pressuring me to, you know, do something with my ATAR. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't really the most、uh, thought out or level headed decision. And I feel like、um, for a lot of kids heading to uni, they just go and they pick the thing that sounds like their parents would like. <laughs> the intersection of what their parents would like, and the intersection of what would make a decent living.、Uh, that's how people end up in the threes. But thankfully for me, I was able to sort of break out of that bubble and carve a different path. And here I am at the end of my computer science degree. Essentially, that's some good ass advice. Yeah, yeah, and so just like with the scientific calculator, you、mm. hadn't done any comps like at the point when you started to develop、no. that. So that's obviously a pretty big venture to go out into creating your own app、mm. without any background in that.、Um, was it your friend who was like, "I think this would be a cool idea," or what sort of inspired you to start working on、yeah. a pretty big, like three hours a night? Oh yeah, a pretty big commitment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Three hours a night was um, it was a massive commitment considering that we had uni and other stuff. But basically, how it started was, you know, I was thinking, what's something cool that we could work on on the side so that we can land an internship? Because I was in my second year at the time, and I was looking for jobs. It was really simple. I didn't have anything in my resume. I'd worked as a coffee machine salesman and and, and an English tutor, and that was the pinnacle of my. <laughs> 
Pretty much. Well, sounds so, like yeah. we were in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very familiar. Yeah, right? so I thought, yeah, how can I make my resume look a bit more appealing so that I can land some sort of internship anywhere, really? So, you know, I was doing my finance homework and I essentially realized that I forgot my calculator. And that's when I went on the store, found out that there were no calculators that did what my Casio calculator did. And then I just went to my friend and said, hey, I've got a good idea. Do you want to try it? And then we just went on from there. It was a really gradual ramping up. It wasn't three hours from the onset. And sometimes we even took breaks because it was necessary to sort of put a pause on the project. But it was really about... Yeah, it was really about doing something that could first land us some sort of internship and later it morphed into something else. Yeah. Um, we wanted to sort of turn it into something that could generate a bit of passive income and also be a really useful product for our users. At a certain point, we realized that even though we got a lot of downloads, the calculator was just getting too complex in the sense that we had to add graphing and all these really crazy features and we weren't really seeing crazy returns from mm. it. Like nothing that could... Uh, make us retire or anything. So, yeah. <laughs> the dream. Was that okay. a complex number pun? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was one of the features, I suppose. Oh, man, okay. That's I With the app, it was mobile, I'm assuming. Yeah, I so, can show you it now. Not that our uh, listeners can see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a demo after. We'll, we'll, probably, we'll probably include the link in the show notes or something. Uh, okay, sneaky plug. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Get you up to two million times. <laughs> yeah. So was the marketing internship at Google before you developed the app or was it after? It was after. So um, like I said, to my surprise, the app blew up and then I was able to talk about this in my interview. And yeah, they were really, I mean, obviously they thought, that the metrics were really nice, but I think what they especially liked was the sort of uh, initiative, sort of going in from scratch, having never done anything like this before, and sort of being humble and willing to just learn everything uh, from scratch. So yeah, that's um, that's probably what landed me the marketing internship at Google, um, since they like to see people who are sort of go-getters. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Would you say that your internship at Google helped propel your CSE career into what it is now? Like, how has it molded it? Because I also saw you did a internship in Seattle for Microsoft. How do you think your internships have shaped you holistically? Um, I'd say that the thing that I took away from my internship at Google was really, you know, getting to know a bunch of people who uh, studied computer science um, and, you know, becoming friends with them. And I, I found that computer science was really interesting. These people were really interesting. And I just wanted to learn computer science and do software engineering myself. It was, it was good because I sort of got to see how Google worked from the inside, from the business perspective. And I also got a small taste of uh, what the software engineers did. Yeah, the peppermint's very, um, very spicy. <laughs> yeah, it's very strong, isn't it? It's, peppermint tea is really strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can have mine some like green if you'd like. No, peppermint's. Good. I'll, I'll power through it. I'll power through it. <laughs> yeah, it'll keep your throat sort of um, well lubricated for the for the podcast. No, it's doing ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah doing yeah, wonders actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just getting to see what Google was like, having coffee chats with a lot of people inside, and sort of getting a, a sort of insider perspective. So yeah, it it was. Um, how would I say this? I would say that if you go to a big tech company, it often gives you a lot of uh, motivation to try and do something on your own if you're so inclined. Definitely think just working there gave you a lot more exposure to the mm. to the tech world, and I guess potentially led you to switch your degree for a way. So yeah. you were still doing law, yeah. um, during all this time. Exactly. With the, yeah. Like you said, you were doing law at the time you developed your first app, mm-hmm. right? I'm just wondering where you got the resources to be able to to do that. Yep, yeah, and essentially 
can you give some recommendations mm-hmm. on where to yeah. start and like yeah. where to okay. learn? For so um, absolutely, yeah. So I'm going to be very transparent because I think this is a point that uh, a lot of people miss when I say I developed an app. Um, my friend, uh, he studied computer science and he developed, I would say, about ninety eight percent of the code base. <laughs> for myself, I just, in terms of the code base itself at the time, I just did some basic XML, some of the front end layout. He did the vast majority of the logic. My role in the app was essentially start from the idea through to deciding which features would make it unique, uh, the UX, and finally the marketing to get it to, you know, however many downloads it got in the end. But what I would say about resources and trying to undertake an endeavor like that, I'd say that given that we all study computer science, and probably most of our listeners study computer science, I'd say that it's actually very feasible for you to go and develop the app yourself. As daunting as it sounds, if you spend literally just one hour a day, every day, learning you know, for example, a particular language, like perhaps uh, TypeScript and React Native, or if you want to do uh, native development, like Java, Kotlin, or Swift and Objective-C, uh, it should be really feasible to create something which is pretty good looking just by itself. So yeah, I think the best resource is inside each and every one of us. Yeah. <laughs> as uh, as corny as it sounds, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking of creating some yeah. indie projects myself, but one, I haven't really had the time, and two, it's like... Thinking of where to start is always a big yeah, stopping block. It's very daunting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm always like, I want to do this. But, I want to do that. Uh, yeah. 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 So, I guess that's some just good inspiration to okay. get it started as well. Yeah, I mean, um, I talk to a lot of people, and uh, they always have quite a few ideas, all of which are usually quite good. I think um, the hardest part is just starting. Yeah. The next hardest part is just doing a tiny bit every day, even if you're tired. Even if there's a lot of uni homework, even if there's exams, that yeah. sort of thing. It's just consistently yeah. And I think, setting habit. Yeah. At the start, what you could do is create a sort of accountability buddy. Mm. So the reason why the app was good is because um, uh, what we did was we made sure that each night we would hop on a hangouts call and then we would screen share. <laughs> so that, so that way, if one of us was bludging, the other, the other person could could sort of say, hey, what the hell, why are you yeah, on Facebook. Reddit or YouTube or Facebook? Like, I should be meant to be working on the app. So yeah. yeah. Just more tricks like that. And just coming off that, in terms of hitting like 1.5 million downloads mm-hmm. is quite a sizable amount of people. Um, did you do like active like marketing to let students know about it or did you just find that there was like a gap in the market and people automatically gravitated to it once they sort of discovered it? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of everything. There was a bit of uh, student uh, marketing. Like, for example, I designed a couple of flyers, but then in the end, what happened was I tried a little bit of everything and the flyering and the student targeting actually wasn't that useful. So what we did was, um, in order to spread the word, we, if I try and think about the thought process, because that's going to be much more important than what I actually did. The thought process was basically, okay, so I'm someone who needs to use a scientific calculator. Like, what do I look like? How old am I? Uh, Where do I hang out? That sort of thing. And then just thinking about where would be best to reach that sort of target. So the things that we tried were um, a bit of paid ads, like 50 bucks, like Google AdWords, that sort of thing. That wasn't particularly uh, useful. Um, the other thing was we tried flyering. Uh, that was not that useful. <laughs> the third thing that we tried was uh, actually posting on Reddit. Oh, wow. So why Reddit was useful is because there were a series of... Um, very niche subreddits, like very, there's really large ones, which are really all-encompassing and a bunch of really sort of niche yeah. and specific ones. So what we did was we first targeted the small ones, made sure they got to the top of the small ones, refined the message, 
top, the bigger ones, medium-sized ones, and then the very largest ones. And um, in the end, there was a particular post that I spent probably uh, three weeks or two weeks writing, and it was specifically targeted at the um, the largest Android uh, subreddit. Wow. And it was just something which was a bit uh, controversial, like really? a bit, it was a bit of a publicity stunt, right? <laughs> and yeah, that just got a lot of attention and got us a lot of downloads. Wow. Yeah. Who so, would have thought Reddit would have been there? We were marketing. Yeah. Was it, like how, what do you mean by it was, the post itself was controversial? Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. Just oh, yeah. Go into more detail. Yeah. Um, this is bringing back memories. <laughs> but yeah, so essentially I realized that um, people were quite concerned about privacy and rightfully so. And a lot of the top posts were talking about how, you know, privacy was sort of not being, I guess, cared for by other app developers. So what I had found is that there was a competing scientific calculator that actually, what they did was they asked for access to your phone book and all your texts and Thanks. all oh. your um, contacts. Oh. Yeah, which I thought was like really not okay. Yeah. So I sort of decided to write a, a bit of a hit piece, <laughs> sort of like um, exposing them in a sense. And did you do a sneaky plug afterwards? Yeah, I did, I did. Like, <laughs> you could download this Yeah, one yeah. It was, it was very transparent. I, I, I was just saying, look, like guys, to be upfront, I, I I've made a competing app. Yeah. Um, if you want, you can download it, and then yeah. I mean, people were quite shocked that a calculator app yeah. would sort of um, somehow ask for your like your mom's phone number or something <laughs> like that. I know your mom's text, that sort of thing. So that was why it became so big. It's definitely not something which I think I'll be able to repeat. It was just a one-off sort of creative uh, approach. So yeah, that was the Reddit thing. Um, Damn, have you considered a career in journalism? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at times, I suppose. Um, the other thing, the final thing that got us over the line was not that post, but the fact that our SEO, or rather our app store optimization, uh, was very optimized. So I realized that um, a really big source of downloads would be from a keyword, and that keyword that we were targeting is, as you can guess, scientific calculator. <laughs> but unfortunately, there were, I would say, literally 400 scientific calculator apps, yeah. and we started at like 401 or something so it was going to be a hard journey to get all the way to the top but um i did a series of things like making sure that our description was very optimized for that keyword making sure it was very informative making sure that the screenshots looked really nice and that sort of thing and ultimately we went to rank two or three and that literally brought in like four thousand dollars every single day oh wow yeah just for free hence why we spent so little so i would say that having gone to this as someone who knew zero marketing at all, or very little, um, it was just all um, Googling and sort of a reflection on what worked well, what worked didn't, and just constant iteration on um, sort of how you're thinking about the problem. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Now we have a good idea of who you are, Conway. So as CPO of Yoinkie, mm-hmm. could you elevate a pitch to us, <laughs> yeah. please? Okay. And the audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so let me ask you guys a question. How much cash do you carry in your wallets? Physical cash? Yeah, physical yeah, cash. Yeah, $10. $10? Yeah, like less than 50 Less than 50 Whoa, high roller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like now that um, we're sort of moving towards contactless in Australia, the problem is that uh, most charities still collect using, as you've seen on the streets, they collect using collection mm-hmm. buckets. Yeah. And at events... They use FPOS machines, so these really fat, expensive FPOS machines. And the thing is, what happens if you have 200 volunteers or 300 volunteers collecting out on a day? 
you can't give them 100, 200, 300 FOS machines. You can't give them collection buckets because most people really don't carry that much cash anymore. Yeah, so, and especially like change as well. Exactly. So what Yonki is, it's simply a payment terminal that you can download on your phone and that you can use to collect credit card payments just like that. And the good thing about how um, Yonki operates is that it's totally free to use for the charity. And even better, the charity also gets uh, updates instantly and they get their cash very, very quickly, which is totally different from what you would see with an FPOS terminal. So, yeah, we've worked with um, charities like Special Olympics, Oxfam, um, quite large charities, medium-sized charities, small charities, and they all really, really love the product. In yeah. fact, um, we're being used by a charity in uh, Melbourne for the Melbourne Cup. Mm-hmm. So they're planning to use Yonki on 200 of their volunteers' phones, and they're all going to collect on the actual Melbourne Cup day in um, early November, I think. So that's what we're sort of gearing up for. So yeah, that's just the elevator pitch for uh, for Yonki. Yeah, so basically when I first heard about your story mm-hmm. and going into um, being CPO of a company, it was... The main question I had was, how did you get this gig and what was sort of the transition from being a university student to co-founder of a, yeah. Of a yeah, company? Yeah, because when Adrian um, and Mary briefed off, they told us that you were essentially working on the app in your spare time. Yeah. And then once you delivered the MVP, you got taken on as founder. Exactly. Founder. Yeah. So um, I want to tell you guys the whole sort of story. I don't want to tell you an embellished story because mm-hmm. I think the problem with the startup scene is that People will just sort of paint a sort of marketing story that mm. sounds good, yeah. feels good. So I'm going to tell you the whole story. So basically, what happened with the Calculator app is that we'd obviously reached a lot of downloads. It was loved by a lot of people, but it still wasn't making a ton of money. Um, not Certainly not enough to support uh, both of us. So we decided that we would keep on going and try and build this into something a bit bigger by adding on new features, making an iOS version. So for months we worked on this and then unfortunately, even despite us spending like 40 hours a week and like neglecting uni. Yeah. Wow, 40, 40 hours. That's like a yeah. Yeah, full-time, full-time job. job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it really didn't go really anywhere like in the end. It was still the same old app that had gone successful but really couldn't be anything larger than that. So what happened was um, my co-founder and I, uh, we decided to just do a bit of consulting. We just wanted to make apps get paid, and stop trying to build something that would uh, be massive. Mm-hmm. So after a while of wishing for that and sort of looking out in our networks, it was just by sheer coincidence that my current co-founder, Yogi, actually reached out and said that there might be um, a small, a very small job that we could do, a code review actually, for an app that he was building. Um, and so, you know, this was just literally worth $1,000 Um one or two thousand dollars it wasn't very big but we would take it on but the thing is he kept on um, <laughs> he kept on dragging us on and on and on and then in the end he told us that there would be something really big but we would have to wait because that code review was actually going to be done by two ex-senior uh, software engineers from google so obviously us as just uni students we weren't gonna cut it yeah. Um, so yeah we were a bit disappointed but we just sat and waited so you know eventually after a while um, they actually reached out to us and they told me that the result of the code review was that the app that he, he had built with the offshore team was actually pretty horrific <laughs> and it really needed um, it really needed to be thrown thrown out and done from scratch. So what I did at that point was I sort of talked to a bunch of my friends at university 
and they had I'd met them through classes, met them through previous internships. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys know Andrew Vell or yes. he, he was the previous um, CEC SOC president. But you know, I tapped him on the shoulder. I tapped a friend of mine that I interned with uh, during my internship at Google, and I tapped a, a couple of other friends who I'd worked with in group assignments, and I said, "Hey, this is a long shot because you know that they're, they're they're sort of tendering so many different uh, companies to build an app, but." You know, they're offering you know quite a lot of money to just build uh, a charity donation app and I think you know if we can land this then you know we'll just literally split it six ways so you know we we're just waiting and waiting and then surprisingly that contract went to us and we built it over the next um, I would say eight nine months so that was they had just brought us on to build the app and the problem was that we were all doing different things so one guy, he was finishing off his thesis. He was about to start at Google. Myself and uh, another friend, uh, we were going to go to uh, Seattle to intern at Microsoft. And um, another friend of mine uh, was going to go on exchange. So we were all, you know, dislocated, but we still managed to push on and, and, and um, build the app. And so ultimately, after the app was built, uh, they wanted me to come on and I wanted to come on. So I came on as, as a co-founder. I sort of... Uh, pivoted the product slightly to get to um, the product that we have today, which is quite well loved by the charities that we're partnered with. So yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, my only question on that was like, when you said that you and your friend that you're working with, with the scientific calculator, mm-hmm. like the co-founder, you said, yeah, uh, you guys pivoted away from free app development and more into consulting. So yeah. what was the process with that? Oh, it was literally... Um, it was literally, we just talked to each other and we thought, okay, this project, even though it's gone quite far, it's not going to go any further. So we should probably think about something else. Because deep down under all of that, there was the desire to not work a, um, a sort of corporate job yeah. for 40 hours a week and do something which you don't quite like. In fact, I believe that's the same driving motivation that drove the Atlassian co-founders. So if you look online, I think, you know, Scott Farquhar and Mike Cannon Brooks, they were saying something like, oh, we just wanted to make 50K, but... You know, not do it at a company and look how far they've come. So um, fundamentally, it was that was the initial motivation. But since then, it's morphed quite considerably. So yeah. yeah. So did you guys just post on like freelance sites or something like that? Uh, to yeah, attempt was. to get business? Yeah. Um, we didn't. That's actually something we should have done, but we didn't. Um, <laughs> was it mainly through like networking? Yeah. And... Just sort of talking to friends and saying, and even walking into small businesses and saying, hey, would you like a website built? You know, I like your pizza. Would you like a menu for your pizza shop? That sort of thing. Um, as well as through friends who had ideas here and there. So, yeah. I think what would I say the moral of the story is? Because a lot of this is obviously unique to my circumstance. And I'm just trying to think of um, something that would be useful for everyone. I think... Hmm. Take initiative. Because that seems to be the common thread through everything I've seen <laughs> and, so like, far. commitment to these projects. Yeah. That are, like... When you said you were all sort of everywhere for yeah. those nine months, like to follow yeah. through with it, and all. it kind of takes guts to approach like companies to propose a tech solution mm. when they don't have one. Yeah, I mean, um, all of those things absolutely uh, necessary. I think I would probably add. I think the thing that's been most useful is really um, the process of reflection. You know, at, at its most basic, reflection is really you know keeping a journal. And thinking about what you've done well, what you could have done better, and sort of um, looking at that every couple of weeks. But if you want to, I say, if you want to be more effective in how you're thinking and how quickly you're sort of improving yourself, I think it gradually moves from a diary 
to maybe um, something like meditation using Headspace, an app. Um, I really recommend people look into meditation and then gradually it gets to sort of like stronger and stronger, like a metacognitive introspection. That was definitely something. Yeah, we were, we were, because oh, we read your to, profile yeah, we were, and we yeah, saw we that you right liked back. meditation. Yeah, we were yeah, discussing yeah. this so on the way over. It's definitely something that we wanted to oh, ask okay. you about. Sweet. because um, yeah, so, so it was like the perfect segue into like <laughs> yeah. more of a break thing. So Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically... It seems like even through uni and now mm. you obviously have quite a big responsibility at Yoinki that you've always seemed to have quite a lot on your plate. Mm. And so um, in terms of meditation, would you say that helps keep your life more balanced and, um, you know, give you time to give you time to just de-stress away from like, the responsibilities yeah, of everything? Yeah, like an alleviating factor. Or yeah, something. Uh, yeah it, it was like, it was exactly like that, what you described at the start. It was simply that, I was doing way too much and I was pretty stressed. But whereas it started as that, it gradually transitioned into something that was, um, I guess, a bit more enabling. Hmm. Well, I, I want to ask you guys, have you guys ever uh, done anything of the sort? Or It's definitely something like I've wanted to get into. And I have, I've downloaded like the apps and stuff. Oh, awesome. But it's, it's just in terms of making it a habit has mm. not happened for me yet. Yeah, uh, I did it once, actually. I was in high school and it was like a year 12 study camp and one of the teachers who's also a bit of a yogi, <laughs> he, um, he basically gathered all the students into like the gym, like the gym at the camp and it was like, oh yeah, let's do this meditation exercise. And then I did it and without even realizing, 40 minutes had passed within oh, wow. the space of like... Wow, for your first time, that's like amazing. Time. Go and meditate, right? So like, yeah, it's probably something that I definitely think I should do more of. Oh well, yeah, I mean... um. 40 minutes in the span of just past flew by like yeah. that. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. I mean, um, like, ultimately, oh, the hardest part is really uh, sort of, well, the thing is there are many hard parts. <laughs> and literally everything is hard at the start, uh, every single facet of it. I mean, one aspect is really uh, the trying to keep it consistent. I found that if you try and keep it really small, like literally one minute, start, yeah. no, no. One minute is too much. Start off 30 seconds in the first couple of days or something. Um, just make sure that you're very sort of, you set a very low bar, but you try and meet it. And so you should um, sort of ramp up your involvement and just make sure that it becomes something which you like, not something which you're sort of forcing yourself to do. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the thing that holds everyone back is, is really their thought patterns, like what they think they can do and what they can't do. But the thing is, um, I'm not going to advocate for you guys to chant your heads. I can go to Mars, I can go to Mars or something like that. Because, it, Or like, I can just go from here to like here. Because it doesn't quite work like that. It has to be a very incremental, incremental process of replacing your thoughts. So for example, um, I'm just going to give a, a pretty random example. But let's say you eat too much chocolate cake. And it's an, it's an addiction of yours, which you've tried to um, sort of stop for many, many years. Does this come from a personal place? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Although I do need to cut down because I'm getting um, a big belly at the moment. Um, so when you have uh, a sort of like deep-seated pattern like that, what you have to make sure to do is just incrementally replace how you relate to that pattern. Rather than jumping from, you know, I love chocolate cake. And then suddenly later thinking, oh my God, I hate chocolate cake. That's not a useful um, 
sort of mindset to take because what you've created is two patterns which are directly oppose each other and they're sort of reinforcing each other. So instead of going from, you know, I want to go from eating no chocolate cake to, uh, sorry, I want to go from eating chocolate cake to no chocolate cake, it has to be a very incremental approach of recognizing your thoughts and slowly replacing them. I'm not sure if that sounds a bit confusing or abstract, though. No, I get it. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's not just like some magic, like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So getting back to Yoinki, unfortunately, as I... As much as I'd like to talk about meditation, <laughs> yeah. um, perhaps that could be for later. Since you had interns at Microsoft before you joined up at mm-hmm. joined up um, Yonki, yeah. did you have a graduate role lined up with Microsoft? Did like uh, did they extend one? And yes. So yeah. what was the what? <laughs> well, like hole in one, but like <laughs> did you? What was the thought process behind picking up Yonki as opposed to mm. taking up the graduate role? Um, yeah, so having known that I would be gra- sort of graduating and having known that there was the option of joining Yonki, um, it was really the big decision that I had to make by the end of the, the summer at Microsoft. Um, so my manager extended me an offer, the same offer that all the other grads got. So like, if you want to think of it in pure monetary terms, it was uh, USD in terms of total compensation, which is like roughly over AUD. I'm sorry, what? Well, yeah, what? <laughs> Wait, actually, crap, was I meant to even talk about that? <laughs> actually, no, you, we can edit it we out. Can just, we can just, like, bleep it out. You can just bleep it out. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. The None of you guys will know what the number is. We will know what the number is. <laughs> Please, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was ver- a very generous offer, right? Um, yeah. Having come from a very, uh, like, sort of modest upbringing, um, it was, like, multiples of what my parents had made in their lives, like, ever. So... You know, that was the offer there on one hand. It was a very nice city, very lovely team, very nice company. And then on the hand, other hand, there was Yonki, which was fairly more risky, but then it provided the, the sort of opportunity to grow and to really shape your own destiny, um, in a sense. So um, at a certain point, it just became really obvious that I should take Yonki because I'm only young once. And um, really what I was looking for which is different for everyone. It was not really a sort of stable, well-paying job, but really something that could make a greater impact on myself and the people around me and the people in the team and the wider world. I mean, Yonki is still quite young, but I guess it remains to be seen whether I can sort of uh, make that impact and sort of um, help shape and help improve the world around me just through this little thing that I'm doing here. So yeah, that was really the thought process. I mean... um, Yeah, I really respect that, actually. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's definitely a hard decision to make, I guess. Going off that, you mentioned previously, you know, even choosing your degree, you felt sort of pressure, maybe not directly from parents Mm. and things like that to use the ATAR. And Mm. um, so even with this decision, did did you have pressure from like external people being like, of course, you have to take Microsoft, you've got your career set for life with that? Yeah, so... Did people try and push you in either direction at all? Yeah, well, um, for example, my mum was definitely of the opinion that I should take the job. Yeah. And so was my uh, grand-aunt. She was like, oh my god, you should not do a business because it's probably going to fail and you should get it on the resume, um, get a company like Microsoft on the resume and that sort of thing. But I guess ultimately it's a question of um, 
Uh, ultimately, it's a question of what do you think will help yourself the most um, and what do you think will help other people the most? And in terms of this decision, it was really a no-brainer for me in the sense that um, at a corporate job, not to bag out a corporate job too much. A corporate job would um, <laughs> encompass something like, yeah. I'm assuming something like working at Microsoft, but more of like something like working at a bank or mm. something like that, would you say? Well, yeah, I mean, um, I would categorize... A corporate job as, you know, working at Canva or working at Google or Microsoft or a bank or a management consulting company or, you know, an accounting firm or anything like that. Even though the cultures are very different, you know, for example, at a bank where you've got to wear a suit and at Google where you can just rock up in a singlet or something and thongs, um, I would say that the expectation is you come to work for eight hours a day and you report to your manager and you take on this amount of responsibility and don't try and rock the boat too much. And I think... This is just my biased perspective talking, but if you're just simply building a widget for a big company to increase their profit margin, um, it's not that fulfilling for yourself or for the wider world. So yeah. So it's about, would you say it's about carving your own path and destiny? Um, yeah, it's about, it's about taking control of your life and what you want to do, even if that's very scary. Because at a corporate, they'll give you your work. You won't ever have ambiguity. Whereas if you sort of step outside the conventional path, it's really uncertain what you should do, whether you're doing the right thing. But I think as long as you're genuinely improving yourself and the way that um, sort of everything is working, then it's worthwhile. Going from being, well, you're, you still said you're finishing your yeah, this is my last, last term. Yeah. So from not even, not yet a graduate even, mm -hmm. to being CPO of a company is quite a, big leap in terms of the normal career progression of yeah. how most graduates go. <laughs> yeah. So did you suffer from sort of imposter syndrome at all and feeling unequipped for the role to take on such a big responsibility? Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, um, I, like the title, the title sounds really fancy, but um, I think what's even scarier is really the fact that you sort of have to decide exactly what to build out of maybe 10 really good ideas. And faced with sort of resource constraints, time constraints, like your decision as to what to build will ultimately make or break the company. And that was really the scary part, just the uncertainty. But I think, yeah, I think the important part is to really have trust in yourself. Trust that even if you make the wrong decision, you'll be able to write it. Trust that you will be able to make the right decision. And I think um, that's what's helped me sort of get over uh, the sort of imposter syndrome, the uncertainty and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think you need a lot of self-confidence yeah. in your leadership. decisions. Yeah, yeah and... leadership is... Uh, yeah, uncertainty is inherent to leadership. So yeah. you just need to put up a front, be confident about... Fake um, it, do you fake it? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, confidence is really is, is a big part of it. But yeah. then at the same time, if you have too much confidence in what you're yeah. doing, that's just as um, detrimental. Mm. Yeah, self-critic and being just critical and reflective is always important. Mm. Yeah. Um, so do you have any experience, especially in CSC SOC, feeling like unqualified for things you go into and that everyone else always seems to be miles ahead of you um, in terms of technical skills? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, that was actually the whole reason why I did computer science, because my, uh, my friend who made the calculator app, he was just brilliant. And I, I sort of felt really bad because... Um, I was just a business guy <laughs> and I couldn't really code. Um, even though I knew that I was reasonably intelligent and I could pick things up, um, it still seemed like such a, 
a very long journey to even get halfway competent. And this was only reinforced when in my first year, I ended up with uh, in, a, in a group with people who were just like crazy. So I, can, I, I definitely feel you there. Yeah. Um, it seems like everyone in computer science is just a genius or yeah. crazy or they've been coding since they were like five years old or something like that. And I think the thing to just always remember is, I know it's really cliched, but you should always compare yourself with yourself and always see whether you're improving on on a sort of daily basis. And I think uh, over the long term, you'll be really surprised at how good you can get and even um, how you can be better than people who you once looked up to and thought were untouchable. In fact, um, that's something that happened for me in the sense that, you know, there was a guy that looked up to him like, holy crap, how could he do X, Y, Z? And then after continual improvement, it seemed like we were, you know, we were just the same. It was just the amount of work that we'd put in. So, yeah, I'm not sure if that helps. No, that was definitely, it was a good reminder to Yeah. Always trust yourself to improve and get better and better. Because I think it's quite easy to lose sight of in the midst of everything Mm. and you're constantly working with other people. Mm. But, um, yeah. Okay, so... Yoinki, the tech team at Yoinki is pretty new, right? As you said, yeah. um, you guys developed the app and as like independent contractors. Mm-hmm. And now from what I'm told, you're thinking of building a team to maintain <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah. and stuff to the app, right? So we're so, ready. No. <laughs> <laughs> two candidates right here. Um, so what, like for the people that you're looking mm-hmm. for, um, looking to recruit what skill sets would be ideal and what like personality i guess would be the best word for oh, okay. it like how would they mesh into the that's team? exactly what i wanted to talk about so um yeah. Yeah. Again, i keep yeah. getting these you guys are my readers um so i'm going to present a somewhat very ambitious and to be frank a bit of a ridiculous um sort of vision um so i think the fundamental problem that uh, myself and other friends have realized is that after interning at all these tech companies and blah 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 and so on and so forth the problem is I think people just work too much in this modern society in the sense that if you work for 8 hours a day there's really not much for anything else so ultimately the culture that I'd like to build is really one where um, you only work for 25 hours a week at the same time you're paid just as much if not a bit more than what you'd be paid at a typical tech company but in exchange for those 15 hours of freedom that you've been given back, that you have free to yourself, we would sort of want you to be doing, I guess, one of several things. One of them is, for example, scientific research. One of them is doing maybe a, a side venture. So trying to do an entrepreneurial venture of your own while you're working on Yonki, which is itself already an entrepreneurial venture. The other thing is sort of um, improving yourself and helping others improve themselves. And I guess the whole point of this is to create a company where everyone, including the employees, are empowered to build their own uh, venture. I mean, if you guys leave Yonki, then I think even though it would be quite sad for Yonki, I think it would be better for the society. And the goal is to even give uh, all the employees who have their own ventures uh, financial support as well. So like initial angel funding, 50000 100000 that sort of thing. So this is a big ask and it's, um, it's quite a, a big deviation from how companies are structured at the moment. But, you know, some technical skills that we'd like you to have, are, for example, 
Uh, well, we, we use the following stack. We use Golang for our backend. We use uh, TypeScript for our mobile app and TypeScript for our web app. But I think ultimately it's just um, willingness to learn and to want to be part of uh, something a bit different and something that gives you more freedom and a bit more uncertainty. So, yeah. That is a very refreshing perspective <laughs> yeah. on the general industry. Yeah. Right? yeah, it's kind of, I mean, this is deviating away from tech for, for a bit, but <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn, the Labour candidate for the mm. UK prime ministership, has proposed a 32-hour work week instead. Mm. And that's slightly less even than yeah. the radical 32-hour work week. And yeah, I can commend that because it's moving in a more equitable direction for everyone involved. Mm. And I can always respect that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's um, I, I, I just fundamentally think that too much of people's energy is caught up in working in this society. And given, given things like uh, climate change, uh, too much consumerism, I think it'd be best if we sort of tempered that a tiny bit. So yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we live in a society. Yeah. With that quite different perspective that a lot of tech companies have, would you say that it takes a specific sort of personality to work in a startup versus Microsoft or Google? And do you think everyone can thrive in the startup environment? Or is it... Is it... Yeah, that's a good question. I think... Feel free to be as scathing as you want. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm, that's a good question. I think... It's it's really hard to say, really. All sorts of people in startups for different reasons. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. That's that's a really hard question. I okay. What what I will say is um, our interests change over time. So even if you are the type of person to want to do a startup, eventually you realize you might realize that it's not for you, um, as some of my friends have found out. And conversely, um, if you're very fond of uh, working um, a sort of corporate lifestyle. Um, you might find that you're interested in jumping into something which is a bit more high risk. So what I would say is that everything's changing. It just depends on your sort of circumstances at the time. So, yeah. I guess the, like, always the thing for me between, like, a big company and startup <laughs> is, like, the security, I guess, of working. Yeah. It's like that trade-off between uh, security. security or, yeah. yeah. That's that's life, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. And so, what is the recruitment process like? You said that you're looking for team members for the tech team. Mm. So, so who you're looking for? What's the recruitment process? Who? What's like open? Are there internships or is it purely graduate roles? Um, at the moment, we're looking for people who are willing to work part time as fully fledged engineers. Um, so it's not really an internship, but it's not a really uh, a graduate role either. So yeah. Um, if you're, what I will say is that the pay is very good. It's um, it's actually on par with what you would be paid um, at Google, for example. But it is part time and it is um, a mix of remote, and it's really up to you to drive your own hours and to be accountable for that. So yeah, it's a lot of freedom, but um, it comes with the responsibility as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit of a vague answer, but yeah. Okay. How does one apply for the role? Um. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is I hadn't actually gone on this podcast uh, looking to recruit, but yeah. you should definitely email info at yoinki.com and we'll, we'll get back to you sure. if you're interested, if you like the <laughs> part of this, this game that I've sort of uh, spun. So, yeah. I think most people yeah, will be interested. Yeah, you just get a flood of <laughs> response. Oh. <No. laughs> to wrap it up, 
what would you say are your future plans for Yoinki and where you'd like to sort of see it in the next couple of years' time? Um, yeah, well, I guess on the product side, we'd love uh, more charities and more social enterprises to use it. The problem that I see is that uh, non-profit, non-for-profits, charities, churches, religious organizations, they don't get the best people, they don't get the best technology, and we want to change that. So I'd really love more people to use Yonki as a product. I think the other long-term vision is really um, the thing that I spun before about uh, working less, but making sure that we're just as successful, if not more successful, as other startups and tech companies, simply because of uh, how clear all our employees are thinking and how much they're developing themselves continually. So yeah, it's um, if we even achieve a fraction of that, then I'll be very, very happy. So yeah. Okay, sounds good. So that's the plan for Yoinki. Mm. Do you have any plans for yourself? For myself? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, for myself, you know, my main priorities are really simple. I'd just like to continue having really good relationships with my uh, family and friends, to be really healthy, and to see Yoinki grow. It's, um, if I achieve all of those, I'll be pretty satisfied, yeah. Continuing down this thread a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Do you have an idea of where you want to see yourself in five years? I assume oh, still okay. as a CPO of Yonki. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I will still be uh, very involved in Yonki, but I think in about five to six years, I won't need too much of my hands-on involvement. And I think there will be a lot of talented people, hopefully, who can sort of, you know, carry, carry the mantle in a sense. What's important to me is uh, making a really direct impact on people's lives. And I think... Uh, in future, I'll probably find something additional to Yonki. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And as a final cherry on top, what's the next big thing you have in the pipeline? It could be in any stage of development. It could even just be an idea. Or is it too? Uh, you mean, can't yeah. disclose that. Like for Yonki? Um, for Yonki, for like yourself as a personal side project? In or your... Just like literally anything. Um... It could be like the next book you're writing. It doesn't even have to be tech. <laughs> um, it's not very big, but... I'd love to learn Chinese a bit better and read a lot of the Chinese classics. Oh, same. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little bit of a side thing, but it's um, it's quite meaningful to me. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that's Thank a wrap. You. Thank you guys yeah. for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this chat we had with Conway, and hope you guys learned a lot about Yuanqi. Oh yeah, thanks, thanks so much for having me, guys. No problem.